in a world where achievements and accolades motivate us to do more and be more, we're often left wondering, is this really it? Deep inside, you know there is more to life. You're ready to leave behind the old push your way through and claim the deeper life that's calling you. That's where we excel. We're your hosts, Stephanie Allen and Marin Oslak. And this is the Soulful Leader Podcast. Sit back and relax as we share the shortcuts we've uncovered to help you make shift happen. Welcome back to the Soulful Leader Podcast. This is Marin, and I'm here with Stephanie. And we were chatting about flow and trust and how intricately connected the two are. I was listening to a masterclass um, on the app, Masterclass, and I was listening to a guy named Phil Ivey who was talking about, he's a, a world champion poker player, and he was talking about the difference between the decisions that he was making. He started to notice that the decisions that he would make when he was winning were very different decisions than he would make when he was losing. And so he started to be aware of that. And, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about self-awareness. And when I was listening to that, I thought about the trust and, and flow thing of when we're winning, we tend to trust ourselves more and we are in flow. When we're losing, we we want to insulate ourselves. We want to, and if you use the words instead of winning and losing, if you use the words, you know, like that you're happy and, and joyful and it's a good day versus when someone's, something's gone wrong, <laughs> you know, someone's not giving you the thing on time for, for work or you're, you're, you're kind of stressed about something. We want to insulate ourselves. And so we pull in, right? Think about when a time in your life where everything has been going great and you feel like you're in flow and it's like you're, you do, you have this trust and you're like the decisions that you make are very different from those times in your lives where you feel like you need to protect yourself. Like, oops, something's gone wrong, quote unquote wrong. You know? You know, and, and when something goes wrong, when you're talking about trust and flow, that's when we, st- like, you know, if we haven't built the internal structures, a practice to slow down, to make space, to drop in, to listen to what our inner dialogue might be, then it's very easy to default into not trusting or doubting the future or, you know, being afraid of the unknown. Like we'll default to the lowest common denominator, right? And I have the saying of like, we practice what we need when we don't need it so that we'll remember it when we do. But that's the whole key is that we have to practice. And I think, you know, trust doesn't just come naturally or easy. And and yet we should say, oh, you should just trust everybody, that willy-nilly kind of thing. No, it needs to be earned. And there's different levels of trust that you'll have for different people that you've built a relationship with. And that's the key, is making that key connection and relationship. Yeah. And I think the relationship, outer relationship, and the relationship, inner relationship with yourself, to know yourself. And that's what I loved about when he was talking, it wasn't, 
oh, I had this aha moment and poof, it was fixed or it was changed. It was a process for him to notice over time the difference of what he was doing when he was losing versus what he was doing when he was the decisions he was making. And then beyond that is once he noticed that there was a difference, then starting to catch it when he's doing it. And there's this, it's an entire process of building, right? Building that trust and building that flow in places and in times where our default has Mm -hmm. been something other than trust and flow. And and I love that you said that. It's like it is a process of building that inner awareness and slowing down enough to make space to listen to it so that, you know, it feels odd and to study it and to be curious about it and going, hmm, I wonder if I shifted this way or I thought that differently or my behavior changed with whatever. And you try different things on or imagine, I say, you know, the whole cultivation of imagination is so powerful. Like what goes on in our own inner world, our own inner dialogue, our own inner imaginations about something in the outer world? Oh, my God. Like, I just think about (laughs) it. It's like when people say they don't have any imagination, I'm like, bullshit, you don't. I bet you've imagined the worst case scenario many, many times and probably multiple levels of the worst case scenario, all of which did not happen. And so if you have that much energy to focus on the fear and the doubt and the worry, and the shame or whatever have you, the dis-ease in your life, mm. what would you imagine would happen if you started to shift that attention towards an ideal and practiced it? You know, one of one of our teachers, I, I was just meeting with her the other day, she's in her 80s, and, and she said to me, she said, Stephanie, do you know the secret of, of not aging? And I'm like, oh, no, I, I don't know the secret. Please do tell, do tell, right? It's like, well, well, how do you not age? She said, find a time in your life where your body and your consciousness and awareness was at its height, like just its absolute vibrancy, luminosity, you know, and, and presence that and practice that daily. Breathe it in, talk to yourself that way, feel that way. You know, I have another one of my friends who says, you know, that he imagines that he's 19 all the time. He goes, just mm-hmm. think 19. Think like you're 19. You know, the world is open to you. You know, you you can live forever. You've got all kinds of ener- energy and life force. You know, you think differently. You can still have the wisdom of your current self now, but what what that whole idea is that it becomes a practice of your imagination and your body does not know the difference between what is real, so realism, what is real, and what is imagined. So if you're imagining worst case scenarios and, you know, betrayal and fear and doubt and worry and all these, you are more than likely going to create a behavioral mindset towards that. And that those are going to take you down that way. Versus if you take that same imagination as a practice, however you want to do that, you know, there's lots of ways to different practice, but to, to then move it in a different direction, but that does take time. It does take practice and you can do it when you don't need it. So like, you know, you're waiting in line, you know, at the grocery store, you're waiting in line at the theater or something like that, like practice your imagination right then and there. Why not? Right. You know, cultivate it so that you do it when you don't need it so that you'll have it when you do. I think that's a fantastic practice and it goes hand in hand because when you are imagining worst case scenario, again, what are the decisions you're going to make from that place? 
versus imagining yourself with the world as your oyster and things are going well and the decisions that you'll make from that place mm-hmm. and where they're going to take you. And it's so different. And we look at people like, I know one of our other teachers, he, uh, you know, it's like he would always reference um, Richard Branson and he would always say to us, at least to me anyway, business-wise, like, what if Richard Branson were running your business? What what are the decisions that he would make? Mm-hmm. How would he look at it differently? And when I, when I was listening to this guy, Phil, today, it made me think of that. Of It's the same type of thing, except I'm doing it inside myself. Instead of saying, what would Richard Branson do? It's what would winning Marin do? What would... So I'm going to bring up something you know, kind of sabotaging only because I want, I want to make a point of this because it's exactly as you're starting to practice it, like what would Richard Branson do? And you start to cultivate the ideals. And then, so what happens when things go sideways and all of a sudden muck starts coming up and things are, you know, flying in different directions and, and you feel a little bit chaotic and overwhelmed and, you know, it's, and you're like, shit, it's not working. This imaginational shit is just not working. And I'm like, I'm going to say, no, that's, that's actually not true. It's actually really, really working because what, what someone had said to me once, it's like, think about gardening. You know, we see this lovely flower above ground and we don't acknowledge its root system underneath. Like there's a lot going on underneath that surface, Mm -hmm. a lot going on. And it's, we don't have to do anything. All we do is like create the nice space and, and appreciate and value. We need to weed it. But there's so much structure going on inside. And I think that is the parallel is that do we have the internal structures inside ourselves to support the outer blossoming of our life? And so when we things are going sideways, things are chaotic, maybe we've dug down in. And if you ever pulled out a weed and it just seems to be attached to a whole bunch of other ones and you're just like, oh, my God, it just keeps going. It's going and going and you're hitting the muck. So if you were digging underneath the ground for water and it's, it you know, you've been digging for a long, long time and it's almost like the more you dig, the more stuff comes up, the more weeds come up, the more rocks have to be cleared out. And you're like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to find water? And then all of a sudden it gets mucky and you're like, great. Now it's really yucky. But that's the key. When it gets mucky, is that because you're almost there? Life goes sideways. Life gets overwhelmed. Life gets challenging because you have the inner resources to be able to transcend it. And I think we forget about that. Yeah, we assume that, so if I'm in flow, that means there's no problems. Right. If it's easy, (laughs) it should be easy. If you're in flow, it's easy peasy. It's a breezy, you know, but it's not. It's, I mean, it can be, but it's like the work is hard. It isn't easy, but there's a different quality that shows up to do the work. Right. Like, so I, I get I, to do this rather than I have to do this. And sometimes we have to do this too, but it's like, but the blessing is, is that if you have some really great structures and great imagination to be able to cultivate that inner gardener inside yourself. And I am reminded of, you know, when you, when we first fall in love, that first blush of, blush of love, where it's like the, the person next to you, the person you're in love with, they can do no wrong. The world is beautiful. It's like, it's not that there are no problems during that phase. It just is that they're much easier to work with because you're in love. 
right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you cultivate being in love with yourself, with the world, with the problems around you, with whatever, so that, that that's the flow that we're talking about. It doesn't make the problems go away. It just makes it more palatable, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's well, like and, I can and be also what I'm hearing joy. You, yeah, I was gonna, what I'm hearing you say too is, is, what are you bringing to the problem? Right. Are you bringing a source of struggle and strife and fear and doubt and worry? Are you bringing a source of being in love? Like I get to do this. I love this. I, I often say, how can I fall in love with this? Like I was, I was having to do garbage. Like you know, I have to do garbage every week, right? Take it out and put it to the curb and. Part of me was kind of going into self-pity going, oh, I wish I just had somebody else to do this. I hate doing this. And then all of a sudden I heard myself say, hey, isn't it great? I have something to throw away. Mm-hmm. I have enough life force that I've accumulated stuff that I have the where for all to actually kick it to the curb. And so I've said, well, I can either do this begrudgingly and with self-pity, or I can do this, this, whatever activity with value and appreciation. Mm. And I, I remember saying that about taxes, paying taxes. And I'm like, well, like who wants it? Nobody wants to pay taxes. Nobody does, you know, but at the same time, if we can shift that internal dialogue to at least I have the money to be able to pay them, or I created enough life force and I created enough service and impact in this world that I can, I, I look at it as philanthropy. That's how I look at taxes now. It's like, I have to tell myself I'm giving back. I don't know what I'm giving back to, but I'm giving back to the universe. <laughs> you know, sometimes it may not be the, the, the way that I want to be giving back to, but I know I'm giving back and to focus on what, what is it that makes me feel empowered and lighter rather than heavy and burdened? I think that there are so many, essentially it all still comes back to that flow and trust of building. How do we build that into our lives on a regular basis so that we are accessing it voluntarily and consciously and not stumbling upon it and wondering, how do I make this happen again? Mm-hmm. And there's, I see that, you know, like we brought up multiple different ways today of of approaching that from how do you choose to take your garbage out (laughs) or pay your taxes, right? How am I choosing to, what's, what's my attention? What attention am I putting on that? Is it a negative of, or is it a, Hey, I get to do this. We have a podcast on, I get to versus Mm -hmm. I have to, which was a fun one. It was a while ago. Um, I will put links for all of the stuff in, in the show notes. So anybody that's driving, you know, or you don't have to go back and look through things, <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, but all of it comes back to that same place of like, what is, where do you want to go? Do you want to, taking it back to the poker player, do you want to take the time and invest in yourself and look into what is my winning formula? What is my yeah. winning formula? Because I am different when I'm in my winning formula than I'm in when I'm in my losing formula. And nobody else, you can have exemplars and 
nobody else is exactly like you. So it will eventually come down to looking within to find your winning formula. Which is ultimately your best self. I say, you know, you might be one self at home and another self at work and another self with a friend and another self, you know, at the gym. Like there's all these different cells that we create. And, you know, the practice, it kind of reminds me of that movie, you know, Everything Everywhere All at Once with Michelle Yeoh, where she has created an adapted self. Like when she's stressed or, you know, having challenges, she just kind of goes off into daydream land and creates an alternative life, which in the movie creates an alternative universe, the metaverse. And, you know, without giving a whole lot away, it's a fabulous movie. You know, she learns how to create a practice that that brings all of those adapted selves and transcends them into her one true self in this moment. Mm -hmm. And that takes practice. So we use imagination to cultivate other lives or other ways and say, you know, what is this? What is this self that I that I am requiring right now to be able to take out the garbage, to pay out the, te- you know, pay my taxes or to be present to this difficult situation? What within me do I need to cultivate so that I can be present and stay true to my true self with love and kindness? And that does take practice and everyone has their own. It's not a one size fits all, you know, but to be able to find your own way. And I think there's so much in this world right now that is kind of saying, oh, seven steps to whatever, you know, you know, winning the lotto. I don't know, but seven steps to, you know, getting your ideal relationship or whatever, putting your business or in order. But ultimately you'll, you, you need to find that from within there are infinite amount of practices. And this is where we do need resources that we can, you know, cultivate together and and try things on, see what works, see what doesn't. But the ideal is the practice. And I, you know, we had another podcast about practice, you know, doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. Right. And I think that's a real key to remember is that the more you practice something, so if you're practicing the imagination of oh my God, doom and gloom, life sucks kind of thing, that is going to create a permanent groove in your process, in your your neurochemistry, so to speak. And you're going to have a very different body, a very different vehicle of which you operate in. Probably a little squeaky, probably a little painful, you know, sometimes. And pain is not a bad thing. That's me as a pain therapist, right? It can be an awakening to say, oh, there, I'm. I've hit muck. Keep going, go in, go in, go in, because there's gold underneath there. There's going to be the mother load that's going to come up. You were so close. And I think when we get pain or disease, whatever you might want to label that, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual relationships, whatever it is, if you can say, this is my opportunity to go in deeper, I need a practice or I need a reflection of somebody to look at it differently that's when we can start to really transform and we become the remedy, not only for ourselves, but we offer that as a remedy for others. You know, we become the, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. I love that from Gandhi. I, uh, when you were talking, I was reminded that the two hardest things to do is start something and finish something. And when Oftentimes when things are the the crunchiest, when we feel like we're in the most muck, and this is what you're saying is 
like we're so close. We're, we're in that last 1% and most people give up at that 99. They've done 99% of the work and it gets so hard. That last 1%, it's like, it feels like why bother? And so then they give up and that's the, like, if we can just have, that's the value of the practice so that it's ongoing. It keeps us. And it's also the value of having somebody else there that we can say, Hey, I'm stuck. I'm so stuck in this. Can you please, you know, it gives the opportunity to ask for help and also opens you to actually receive it. Because, you know, that's the good news of being stuck in the muck <laughs> is, <laughs> is that, you know, we do need to ask for help, which means we're not meant to be isolated. We do need each other. And it also, you know, suffering. How, how much suffering do you really want to have until you can receive help? I think mm-hmm. some of us have a high level of tolerance to be able to say, I can take on a lot and a lot. And no, no, I can do it by myself. Thanks very much. You know, don't trust, don't feel, don't talk, just keep on going. It's like, you know, it gets pretty tiresome after a while and you don't have to wait till you're broken, open to receive. You can literally choose to just be open because you're worth it. And I say, you know, that work, yeah, the work is hard. It's not easy. And guess what? It's going to be a lifetime of work. Might as well find a way to enjoy it because we get to do this this time exactly. and it can be, and it can be joyful even when it's hard. <laughs> and that's, that's for me, I think that's maybe not the definition of flow. And definitely when I know I am in flow is when there's both effort and sweetness. Mm. If it's all sweetness, it's like eating sugar, right? It's, it's the <laughs> you're fake crash. thing, right? You're going to crash. And if it's all effort, you're also going to crash mm-hmm. because you just can't sustain it. So when I there's that, that balance of both effort and sweetness, now I, I know that. I am in flow. It's like the inhale and exhale that I use, you know, it's that mandorla, the two circles that overlap with each other. And it's where they connect is where I love that effort and sweetness. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. So remember, we will put everything into the show notes. And if you would love to connect with us, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on The Soulful Leaders, both on Facebook and LinkedIn. And actually, you can find us there on uh, The Soulful Leaders on YouTube as well. So thanks for joining us today. And we would love to hear from you. And we will see you all next week on The Soulful Leader Podcast. And that wraps up another episode of the Soulful Leader Podcast with your hosts, Stephanie Allen and Marin Oslak. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to dive deeper, head over to our website at thesoulfulleaderpodcast.com. Until next time.